want you to go to a couple openings just by way of, uh, you know, pointing to our foundation again. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a simple strategy for you getting in and staying in the Word of God, no matter what you're dealing with. In John 1, 1, the Bible just simply says, in the beginning was the? Was the Word. So what we believe around here is if you're going to do anything, begin anything, start anything, start with what? Don't go to the Word last. You make it what? First place and final authority. It's the first place you go to for counsel. And once that counsel is received, it's the last voice as well. And you stick to it and you give it the authority it is due in your life. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And so I've pointed out to the church here recently, the list of things that will not pass away, extremely small. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Word, and human beings. The only question is, where do you go? Do you go to be with the Lord in heaven, or do you go to a place that God didn't design for His people, but it was actually designed as a captive place for the enemy? So everything else out there is not eternal. So if you're going to do something wise tonight, you're going to hook your wagon to something that is what? Fixed, established, and eternal. If you're going to be established in your life, you're going to have to establish it in something that is way bigger than anything else in this universe. And we know that the universe itself is upheld by what? By the very Word of God. Aren't we a blessed people? The same thing that we have our confidence in is what actually holds this universe together. Then in Psalm 119.89, the Word is forever settled in heaven. Say it with me. I'm settled. Forever. How can that be? If you're on the Word of God, then you're settled as well forever. You are like God. You will what? Change not. Amen? Glory to God. You'll be established and fixed. So when we're talking about the Word, we're not talking about the adulterated Word. We're not talking about the redacted Word. We're not talking about the criticized Word. We're not talking about the Word that is set, ab- set aside by liberals and those who reject the authority of the Word. When I say the Word, returning to the Word, we're talking about the authentic Word of God. Can I have an amen? Not sanitized, not redacted, amen, but the authentic and authoritative Word of God. Number two, the inerrant Word of God, which means in the original autographs, they are without error. I don't care what the ivory tower theologian says or what the guy on TV says. You know, it's funny that man, in his limited ability, in his finite lifespan, has more authority in his mind than the Word of God. That's the the epitome of pride. Amen? Well, instead of having some man on some broadcast, you know, be my authority, I'm going to stick to the Word of God. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm going to stick to the Word of God. It's also the infallible Word, which means it's incapable of being wrong. In every generation, there are hot shots in the scientific community that would try to say, well, the Bible's wrong about this, whether it's calendar dating or scientific proof or archaeological finds. And you know what happens? If you just wait long enough, the Bible will be proven true time and time again by science and archaeology. The Bible is reliable. You can count on it. One of the things the devil will do, especially in this generation among millennials, is try to undermine any confidence they can have in the Word of God. Well, I tell you, I'm not going to go with the latest fad or the latest generational situation. I'm going to go with the Word of God. Turn to somebody and tell them, dance with the one that brung you. It's not just authentic, inerrant, and infallible. It's the uncompromising Word of God. What does that mean? It means if the promise is there, I'm going to believe it. If there's a command there, I'm going to do it. If there's a prophecy, I'm going to stand for it in Jesus' name. And we're going to walk this thing out believing that uh, you can hold on to what God said. Amen. How many of y'all believe the Bible today? Yes. How many believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Yes. How many believe there's only one way? That's right. There is one way. There is one name given under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. Now, the woke Bible out there will tell you there's all kinds of ways. The Oprah woke Bible will tell you that all paths lead to heaven. Well, you know, I hate to say this, but there's some people that are going to be held in some serious accountability for misleading millions of people. There's only one way. So when I say the uncompromised Word of God, I open up the Word of God, and it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and what? The life. I didn't say this. No man comes to the Father but by Him. A believer with an uncompromising word mentality says, that's it. 
I didn't say it. I'm not a bigot. Make, make fun of me all you want to, but this is what the Word says, so I'm going to believe what He has said. If the Bible says that you can be healed, you can be healed. If the Bible says you can be prosperous, you can be what? You can be prospered. The Bible says you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Guess what? You should be. And the Bible still talks about miracles, not in the past tense, but in the what? The present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. The, un, the, man, the, the Christian with the uncompromising word mentality just seizes on the word of God. Now, if you're going to be excited about the promises, also be excited about the commands. Yes, that's right. That's right. Can I have a better amen than that? Uh, the modern church doesn't like to hear a lot about lordship, but you're going to hear a lot more about the lordship. Because you can't be a Christian if you don't have a Lord. We love to have a Savior. Oh, save me from my sin and keep me out of hell. But you know what? If you're not going to let him be Lord, you don't get to call him Savior. So it's not just, oh, praise God, I'm standing with both feet on those promises. The promises of Abraham are mine. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. How about the commands of Jesus? Are they yours too? The thou shalt nots are just as important in an uncompromising mindset. But out there, you know, they pick and they choose. Amen. God didn't really mean that. It's not just the uncompromising word, but it's the authoritative word. That God and His word are one. Shout that out. God and His word are one. Does that make sense? There is no higher authority in the universe than the word of God. Period. That if you listen or entertain to any voice that would contradict that, you just dismiss that in Jesus' name and you'll stay healthy. I promise you this, you're going to see a lot of people crashing and burning who you thought were believers, who you thought were Christians, who you thought were even involved with churches because they're deviating from the Word of God. You can't deviate from the truth and succeed. So what you want to have is a mindset that I'm going to believe and hold to the tenet that God and His Word are one and there's nothing higher than that Word in the universe. Say it, the highest authority in the universe, God's Word. That's what it means by returning to the Word of God. And we're talking about also the complete Word, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but we're not adding to it like the Book of Mormon. Sorry. Jesus said, if you add to this, guess what you get? If you detract from that, guess what? How many of you don't want your part in the future tree of life removed from you? You can't play around with this. So we're talking about the complete Word of God. And there are denominations, even in contemporary society, that reject the teachings and instruction of the Old Testament, the principles, because, well, we don't believe in that Old Testament stuff. Well, that same organization that doesn't necessarily believe in the New Testament stuff either. Deliverance, healing, amen, the miracle-working power of God, or even playing an instrument of music in a church. Now, do I really care about that? Not really. I really don't. If you don't want to have instruments in your church, that's fine. I kind of like them. I kind of think our people do a bang-up job, and I'm proud of what they're doing and excited about their ministry, and they do a great job. No matter, no matter, it, you know, it's just amazing the flow. Any of them at any time put together on that platform, they all flow with the same anointing and the same humility. It's amazing. There's no Godzillas up there or prima donnas. You say, is that rare? Oh, you better believe it's rare in the house of God. Amen. You know that Satan, when he fell out of hell, out of heaven, he fell into the choir pit. Today, he fell into the drum pit, amen, <laughs> or behind the pulpit where they sing. You know, that's the reality. Aren't you glad for that? But for example, in Ephesians, the Bible talks about singing and making a melody in your heart. Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. The word psalm literally translated means to sing a spiritual song accompanied with a six-string instrument. So the New Testament, New Testament talks about praising God with instruments. You see what I'm saying to you? Uh, so our job is, is to say, what can I learn from the Old Testament and be, be fair with the New Testament? There is no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles. And he's very much alive. Can't you still hear Brother Osteen screaming in the back of your head? There's no day. There's a God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They say, well, he only did miracles to prove his divinity. He didn't have to prove his divinity to anybody. He did miracles because that's his nature. You see the difference? He did miracles because that's his nature. Now, if that does something for somebody's faith, that's great. But Jesus did a lot of miracles, and people still turned their back on him. Amen? 50,000, 55,000 people down to the cross. 
All of his disciples are gone. Did the miracles keep them close to him? No, only the new birth are going to keep people close to him and being empowered with the Spirit of God. But do we believe in them? Yes, because that's his nature. And we're living in a time we're about to see the greatest explosion of the miraculous we've ever seen in this nation. How many want to be a part of that? But you can't get there saying, well, you know, you never know what God's going to do. And sometimes he do, and sometimes he don't. You just kind of spin the wheel and see what you get. You never know what you're going to get. No, we know what we're going to get because the Word of God it tells us. And that's the difference. When their attitude is this way towards the Word of God, you just see more things happen. You receive things. It's also number seven, the transformational Word. It's the Word that transforms the one that reads it, believes it, and acts on it. Say that when he reads it, believes it, and acts on it. We'll talk more about this, but say it again. Reads it, believes it, and acts on it. You can't act on what you don't believe, and you can't believe what you haven't read. What you haven't found out about. Amen. So what I want to do is just kind of segue into this tonight and, and teach you briefly about the, the I'm Rad method of staying in the Word of God. And that's short for I'm Radical. How many radicals for Jesus do I have in here? So you can write on your paper, I-M-R-A-D. I'll give you a little teaching tonight from this. Say it with me, I'm Radical. You say, what do you mean? I mean, if you actually believe that the Word is authentic, inerrant, infallible, uncompromising, authoritative, complete, and transformational, you are radical. Turn to somebody and say, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Amen. Everybody say it, I'm rad. I'm rad. Come on, say it, I'm rad. I'm rad. I'm radical. If you don't believe that, just talk to some Christians out there that don't necessarily believe like you and me. Find out just how strange they'll look at you. That's okay. Just look back and say, those are some of the finest looks I've ever had in my entire life. Praise the Lord. I love you too. You say, what's out there right now? I just, just posted this today. I was raised Missouri City, Illinois City, an Evangelical Lutheran Church towards the end of my teen years. And the Evangelical Lutheran Church today reaffirmed its stand that the baby in a womb and a mother are neighbors. Okay. Okay with that. But then they went on to say that abortion should be legal and regulated. So my lightning fast mind says, well, if that's true, then murdering your neighbor should be legal but regulated. You see what happens when you don't stick to the Word of God? You're bound by your thoughts, by your limited mind. And this is what you end up with, categorical contradictions that cannot be resolved by any thinking human being. You know, the mother's baby, the mother's body is separate from what? From the baby in the womb that's developing. Okay, call them neighbors, but then don't say it's okay sometimes to kill your neighbor. That is the answer to the question, how dumb can you be? This same bishop was elected. First she was uh, uh, bisexual, transsexual. Now she doesn't know what she is. A major denomination electing somebody who now wants to be referred to as they and them. They used to lock people up for stuff like that. Don't you dare buy into that nonsense in the name of being tolerant or trying to shield yourself from criticism. This is not a joke. This is flying in the very face of God and His authority and His creative order. He made them. He made them. That's what a non-compromising Christian would say. That The Word says this. He made them male and female. And you'd be amazed at how many preachers right now are ducking underneath the seats and refuse to address this stuff for fear they'll be called a bigot or worse. Are you here today? That's what we're talking about. And if you compromise on portions of the Word of God, then you'll compromise on more portions of the Word of God. Next thing you know, you'll be confused. All roads lead to heaven. You'll allow things into your life that don't belong there. Amen. You say it's just an evangelical Lutheran church? No. There are people within the same as God right now that are backing away from purity and holiness because it, they say it, it marginalizes, offends people. Well, guess what? If you're not living right, you know, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> Tammy and I joke a lot about the serious church. We're a serious church. Say, say we were a serious church. 
in a serious church where the Word of God is preached without compromise and the Spirit of God is allowed to move, you can't come in here month after month after month in compromise and not be convicted. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to repent and change or you're going to walk out and mouth about the church and the leadership. And what it really was a matter of, you got convicted. I'm telling you, I could get up here and bang on the piano because that's the best I could do. And sing, Mary had a little lamb. And if you're in sin, the Holy Ghost will convict you. Because he's welcome here. So we're not picking on anybody by holding to the word of God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Well, if you hold to the word of God, then you're intolerant. You know, you're a bigot. You're picking on people. You, that's hate speech. No, to violate God's word is hate speech. We should be concerned about violating God, amen, and, and somehow offending him. But it's out there. Evangelical Lutheran church. Not the first church of the Frigidaire, but an evangelical. What are we getting saved from if we throw the word of God out? Come on, say, I'm radical. I'm radical. Point to somebody and say, you're a radical. I'm radical, you're a radical. Wouldn't you like to be a radical too? It's serious stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't remember that stuff being thrown, you know, pushed down our throats when we were raised in that environment. Um, in fact, the first time I ever felt the presence of God was at a Lutheran youth retreat in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I knew God was real. I knew the presence of God was real. Most powerful thing I'd ever sensed up to that moment in time. So... God was getting me ready. God was basically directing me and I didn't even know it. So I don't criticize them. I'm just simply saying that when leadership you know, does this, the people should say, you know what? We're not only going to not have you elected as a bishop, we're not going to have you as a local pastor. Hit the road, Jack. Amen. Amen. It's not personal. Barb, it's not personal. It's just business. It's kingdom business. And it's important business. Listen to this from uh, Jeremiah 15, 16. This is a great scripture to mark, to highlight, to memorize. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. How powerful is that? That's what I did with your words. I wanted to assimilate them and I want them to be a part of me. I want to honor your word. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord Almighty, El Shaddai. That's what you want to do with the word of God. That's the kind of attitude you want to have towards it. Great honor and great respect. Give it great weight in your life. So the Imrad, amen, said, I am a radical. The first principle is immersion. Immersion in the word. You need to understand tonight this principle. Your spirit is always drinking. Always. 24 hours a day. That's one of the reasons why you can put a faith tape on a CD to MP3 and your spirit can be fed in the watches of the night. That's why you can put some nonsense on there and that also can attach itself, amen, and invade what's supposed to be reserved for the things of God. Your spirit is drinking all the time. Make sure you give it the right stuff. 2 Timothy 2.15. Anybody know what that says from memory? Study? To show yourselves what? Approved. A workman? Needs not to be ashamed doing what? Rightly dividing the word. So important you see this. Go to Psalm 119 for a moment. By immersion, we mean to absolutely saturate yourself in the word of God. We live in a generation where we're not going to be able to go to God and say, you know, we just didn't have a teaching available to us, Lord. We didn't have the Bible available to us. We didn't have that stuff. You know what? We have it, we have it everywhere. Um, Psalm 119, just a little bit of this. This is a great thing for you just to read because it's about the Word. But I want to go to... Oh, about... Uh, Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate 
on your statutes? I had a friend in uh, chemistry class at Murray State University, and he decided he'd go to his instructor and quote that scripture. <laughs> he, he didn't get an A in the class, I can tell you that right now. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. And there's a principle there. Just because you're religious or even a position holder or title holder, that's not what's, what, what makes you wise. What makes you wise is really immersing in the Word of God. One of the reasons why Jesus befuddled the Pharisees and asked questions and answered questions was Jesus was immersing himself even as a boy. Not in religion. Look at somebody and say, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about the Word itself. Immersing yourself in the Word. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your Word. I have not departed from your laws. For you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. You know, the key here is to understand, we're not talking about just opening up your Bible when there's church time or just when you're having a hard time. But getting into the habit of systematically on purpose subjecting yourself to the Word of God every single day. Now, it's not about 15 chapters, but in your discipline, in your consistency, Gloria always says, is the power. Say it with me, consistency. Day after day, immersing yourself in the Word of God. Now, you say, well, why is this important? I want you to write this down. The Word is the foundation for hearing from God. Nobody who immerses themselves in the Word of God ever hears themselves say to somebody else, God just doesn't talk to me. You cannot hear from God if you don't have a foundation of immersion. You can't. One of the reasons why, of course, is because God speaks primarily through His Word. Now, the voice behind the Word of God, it becomes alive to you. Not just everybody knows this or this is what we learned in Sunday school, but it, it becomes real and alive to you. All hearing, the foundation for hearing is the Word of God. And it also predisposes you to actually you know, hear from His Spirit because you have a foundation on the Word of God. People that, that blow the Word of God off, they run around saying, I just can't hear from God. I never hear from God. That should not be your testimony. And you shouldn't say, I can't hear from God. No, the Bible says you have all the equipment you need to hear from God. My sheep, what? Know His voice. Now, if His sheep would eat what He feeds them, they would be predisposed to actually hear from what He has to say. But the Word's the foundation for hearing God. It's also the foundation for being heard by God. 1 John, 4, uh, uh, 1 John 5, 14, 15 tells us that we have the confidence that He hears us if we do what? If we ask according to His will. So you can't have the confidence you're being heard if you're not asking according to His will, and His word and His will are what? They're one. So how am I going to have the confidence that I'm asking according to His will? Because I've been in the Word of God. You know, if we go in there and we find something in the Word of God and it's, it's what He says, we can go to Him and have confidence that He's going to do what? Hear it and He's going to answer it. Yes. Now, if you're not in the Word of God, you're, it's really a crapshoot as to whether you're actually you know, saying something, praying something that's biblical or not. He is under no obligation to hear a prayer that's not biblical. Let me try this one more time. He is under no obligation to hear a prayer that is not biblical. Say, what about a sinner? If a sinner repents, that's biblical. But you'd be amazed, a number of Christians, to think, well, I just can cry out to God anything. I can cry a whole bunch. I can moan. I can groan. I can complain. And God will hear me. God will have pity on me. You need to get over the idea that God will respond to pity. He responds to faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the only other thing that energizes your revelation of the Word of God is to pray in the Holy Ghost. Beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So the foundation for hearing God and the foundation of being heard by God is the Word of God. So no word, no hearing. Amen. 
If you'll immerse yourself in the Word of God, I promise you, automatically your hearing level is going to increase. You're going to hear things you need to hear. Hearing directly from the Word of God as He quickens the Word to your heart, but also by His Spirit talking to you. And you'll begin to see a pattern to that. Number two is meditation. Meditation involves thoughts and words. It involves thoughts and words. Say that with me, thoughts and words. It is thinking about the Scriptures, mentally applying them to your life. But it also involves the Hebrew concept of muttering. I've been a pastor long enough to know that a lot of Christians have mastered muttering, but the wrong kind. And murmuring. Amen. And belly aching. And you know, if you read the Old Testament, you find out that it doesn't go well for people that belly ache. <laughs> Keeps them out of the promised land. Keeps them out of God's best, doesn't it? So what am I doing when I'm meditating? I'll say it with me, immersion. If you don't immerse yourself, you're not going to meditate much at all. Uh, having immersed yourself, what you do is you begin to think about those scriptures and meditate on those scriptures, and you talk those scriptures. Even if it's under your breath, you're just all day long confessing those things. Go to Joshua chapter 1, just remind yourself here the connection between meditation and execution. When you get to Joshua 1, let me know you're there. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'll give you the, every place where you've set your foot. As, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, um, uh, is my place here. Land of the Hittite, the great sea in the west. No one will be able to what? Stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now watch this language. Now who's talking here? Who's talking here? All right, so if God's talking about the value of Reflection and meditation, how many know we should be paying attention to this? All right. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. You may be successful wherever you go. So your success is based on what? What God does or what you do? It's based on what you do with the Word of God. Is based on your relationship with the Word of God. Now watch this. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouths. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Raise your hand if you want to be prosperous and successful. Uh, you don't have to have a you know, degree in theology. You don't have to have a a lot of Bible knowledge to understand what Joshua is being told here. But notice the connection. He told him, do not let the book of the law depart. Now that doesn't mean he's telling him to stop speaking. it. He's telling him, don't ever let the book not be in your mouth. Don't let the word not ever be in your mouth, on your heart, and coming out of your lips. And as you do this, as you read that scripture, immerse yourself in there, and then you are meditating on that word, and you're muttering that word, it's going to predispose your body, your life, in the direction of what? Of obedience. And that obedience is going to produce victory and success and prosperity in your life. Tied to what? This is a revelation that, that is responsible for every victorious Christian I know in the body of Christ. I have never met anybody who lived their lives this way that was a failure. Not one. But I have met a lot of people who sat in churches for decades, did not apply these principles, and they struggle. They go from one issue to the other, one failure to the next. How do you want to be successful and enduring and victorious? 
Get a hold of this principle. Yes, immerse yourself, but then learn the principle of meditation, of thinking about the Word of God and muttering the Word of God to yourself. There is intentional confession for warfare. There's intentional confession, you know, for, for the release of faith. But there's also the intentional confession for the purposes of meditation. I can't explain it to you, but the more you speak a scripture, the more light will come on. Does that make sense? I mean, you go around talking John 3.16 all week long, and all of a sudden it'll explode on the inside of you. Even things you think you know will enlarge in terms of your understanding. So, number uh, the first one is immersion. Second is meditation. The R is revelation. And this means explosive and personal understanding of some facet of Scripture. Not somebody else's revelation. How many know you can appreciate somebody else's revelation, but how many know you have to have it? You had to personally know that you were lost and undone without God. Amen. You needed a Savior. Somebody could tell you that all day long, but until you deal with the fact that you are lost and undone without God, you can't get saved. And then, uh, you know, the night I got born again, I also got spirit-filled. You know, my sister handed me Brother Osteen's book on the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden as I read that and looked up the Scriptures, a revelation came to me that there was more than the new birth. That God wanted us empowered. That became a revelation to me. Now, understand this. Once you experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, your hunger for an understanding of the Word of God is going to explode. That happened to me. But I want you to understand that I believe that this was real. And that night I received the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoken in tongues. And then I had this just voracious appetite for the Word. And literally just, just went through, I mean, just completely wore out Bibles. And to this day, it's still my practice to, to stay in the Word of God. But it's, it's a matter of a decision for you and for me to do that. And now, what's going to happen as you immerse yourself and as you meditate, revelation is going to explode. One of the first things I did, as I looked up in the Bible, I got a, a little red Bible in first grade from the Lutheran Church in Heron, Illinois. And the first thing I did was I opened it up to 1 Corinthians 12. And you know what? I was shocked that 1 Corinthians 12 was in there. I was shocked that there was scripture about spiritual gifts. I thought, you know, who slipped in the middle of the night and wrote this in my Bible last night? And then my next reaction was, why didn't that pastor tell us about this? Why didn't this? And why didn't that? And I found out that once you get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, you better be ready for God to answer you. And he did. <laughs> he said, uh, remember that you were given that in the first grade? How come you never read it? First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade. Three days before my high school graduation, genius pulls it out and reads it. Once I had the Bible, it was no longer any pastor's responsibility for me to read. I could have been walking in Revelation long before then. But I'm telling you, yes, it was a revelation that night. And it still is. But you're not going to have it playing around with the Word of God. Say it with me. I'm a radical. You immerse yourself in the Word. You meditate, you think and mutter the word of God to yourself, and then revelation comes. Paul prayed this over the people in the church of Ephesus. He said, I want you to have, I pray that you'd have a spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation. Say it with me, wisdom and revelation. So if you immerse yourself and meditate on the word and mutter it, all of a sudden these things are going to open up to you. Now, I say some facet of Scripture because if you'll, you'll stay diligent, you'll see this Scripture from every direction. Ever understand? You'll see things you never saw before. Amen? Other people may have, but that doesn't matter. It's new to you. Remember when you were first born again and you read something and that was this explosive revelation to you and you shared it with somebody and they were probably 50 years old in the Lord and they didn't share your excitement? <laughs> And some of them even mouth, well, I found that out 25 years ago. That's not the way to do it. Get excited for him. Amen? Wow. Praise the Lord. Gee, hallelujah. Glory to God. That is something, isn't it? And then you can walk away and say, thank you, Lord, for showing me that 30 years ago. <laughs> Be excited when somebody shows you something. Revelation is a big deal. 
Amen. Go with me over to John 8 and see this. Say it, immersion, immersion. Meditation. meditation, revelation. revelation. John 8. Jesus was preaching and a bunch of Jews were giving their lives to the Lord, including some leaders. And in verse 31 he says to the Jews who had believed him, did you catch that? Believing is not enough. To the Jews that believed him, if you, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then you will have revelation. And that revelation will do what? Why am I pushing the concept of revelation? Because I know what it does. It causes freedom to come to us. It causes deliverance to come to us. It causes victory. But watch this. you got to believe, but then you have to what? You have to continue in the Word. You have to be a disciple because revelation comes to what? To disciples. And revelation, when it comes to a disciple, it's producing freedom. He was telling them, that's great you believe, but you can't stop there. You've got to proceed in your walk with God. Say it with me. Believe. Continue, be a disciple, revelation, freedom. Raise your hand if you like freedom. So where's it going to come from? Just believing in Jesus alone? The world is filled with people that believe in Jesus and are completely bound up in every area of life. But that's not his best. That's not what he wants for you. Can I have an amen tonight? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Ephesians 1, 17. Say it again, immersion, immersion. Meditation. meditation, revelation. The A stands for application. This means intentionally putting into practice the revelation you received. It's not about, hey, I got this revelation. The revelation that's given to you is given to you so you will do it. The application. Um, James said this in 122. He said, uh, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Now, why would he say deceiving yourselves? Because if you hear and don't do and you think anything's going to change, you're deceiving yourself. The power that is in the Word of God to bring itself to pass is released when you apply it to your life. You'll notice in this church that people are raised up to teach in a certain way. And that way is to not just throw facts and figures and history and Greek words at you, but tell you what to do with that Word. Whether it's a couple steps or four or five principles, because the power is released in the doing. But the decision has to be yours. And I recommend that when you get a revelation, you write it down in a notebook and then ask yourself a couple days later, have you done what you just got revelation on? So if I'm a, I'm a baby believer and I'm listening to Rodney or to Todd or to Timothy or me do a short teaching on tithing and giving and you see other people that are being blessed and God's giving them breakthroughs and all of a sudden you think, well, you know what? They, they told me that I was under the old covenant and even though it's not, amen, Abraham tithed 400 years before the law was ever given. And so you're sitting there and all of a sudden a revelation comes to you that you are to be a tither and a giver. You write that down in your book and then go back and ask yourself, did you ever do it? Because if you can't answer, yes, I did that revelation, you know what the hang up is. If you're sitting under the word and you get a revelation on love, and God's dealing with you about bitterness. God's dealing with you about unforgiveness. You need to write that down. God showed me how powerful bitterness is in my life, how it springs up and can defile many. Thank you, Lord, for showing me. I mean, God will show you your heart if you listen to him. And so it springs up and defiles not just that person, but other people. It's a defiling spirit. And so you get a revelation on that, and you write it down, and you need to go back and ask yourself, did I do anything with that? Did I repent? Did I forgive? That's when the power is released. Come on, say it with me. The power is not released when I get the revelation. 
The power is released when I do the revelation. And that's why James said you're deceiving yourselves. You think the power is in what? The hearing. If the power was in the hearing, this entire nation would be set free right now. This whole town would be set free, not bound by religion. But the fact of the matter is, it's not in the hearing. The power is actually released when you hear, and then you do. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, amen, all these blessings shall come up on you, and what? Overtake you. But what does it mean to hearken? To hear and then do. So there's a short distance between your hearing and your doing. Most Christians have a grand canyon between their hearing and their doing. And then they wonder why they don't get breakthroughs. It's not, I know I'm supposed to love. I know I'm supposed to forgive. I know I'm supposed to serve. How about last Sunday? I know I'm supposed to go to church. Well, write it down. Did you obey? Amen. Well, I just don't think it takes all that. Well, keep thinking that. Amen. Did you do what you heard? Did you do the revelation that you received? And I'll just say this to you as well. Revelation that's not acted upon will soon be lost. Will soon disappear. Amen. Oh, thousands go to church in Calvary County and hear. But how many of them actually do what they hear? Raise your hand and say, I'm one of them. Say it with me. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Say it. I'm a doer. I love when Keith Moore talks about this. He goes, I go to conferences and fill up notebooks, but I'm, I'm not a conference goer. I'm not just a note taker. I'm not just a Bible marker. I'm a doer. I've marked my whole Bible up. Pastor, you should see I'm a man of God. I got my whole Bible marked up. I can't even read the Bible. There's so many marks and so many things in there. That's great. But have you done it? Amen. The victory comes not in the hearing. Hearing faith comes by hearing, but guess what? The power is released when you do it. Say, I'm a radical. Write down in that notebook what you received revelation over, and then go back a few days later, did you ever get around to doing it? And that little simple principle will change your life because you'll find out real quickly why. God, listen to me, Revelation is God speaking to you about his will and his word. What are you going to do with it? Do you, do you believe Joshua took God seriously when he spoke to him? Yes. I do believe because it bears out. Now, he didn't get it perfectly, like, for example, the Gibeonites, right? Amen. And what happened? bondage and trouble and problems because he didn't do what God told him to do. But in terms of leading them in, he did. He took God seriously. You have to actually do the things that you're receiving revelation from. And if you don't, um, you'll lose the revelation and you won't get the breakthrough. Say it with me, the miracle, miracle. is in the command. In the command. Um, you're in the boat with the other disciples and you see this being walking on water, <laughs> um, and everybody is frightened. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come to thee. And then Jesus started a five-hour sermon. Big old manuscript was delivered to Peter. No, what do you do? One word. Come. And what did he do? Now there's the revelation. Okay. Um, I believe it's you, and I believe you just told me to do this, so therefore I can do it. And what did he do? Got up out of the right, lifted his leg over the boat. That must have been fun to watch him dip his little toe in there. Got on the water, and he literally walked on water. Now the other eleven heard the same word. Amen. 
I can see Peter and them having a gathering, you know. After the resurrection, they all started their ministry. And, and Peter's saying, y'all laugh all you want to, but only two people in history walked on water, and it wasn't y'all. It's me and Jesus. <laughs> and then they can say, uh-huh, and then you looked at the wind and the waves, and you sank. And Jesus had to save you. Well, you're technically right about that, amen. But at least I was in the water, you were in the boat. <laughs> amen. Immersion, say it, immersion. Meditation, revelation, application. The Bible has the power to bring itself to pass. There's no other text like it in the world. It's supernatural. The power is released when you do what the Word says. If you don't do it, then it becomes just another book to you. Right? Acting on it releases the power. Number five is demonstration. The confirmation of the word with signs following. Matthew 3.23, the Bible says Jesus went around teaching and preaching and what? He just didn't talk. Guess what? Miracles broke out. Healings broke out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.4, My teaching not with wise and persuasive words, but with what? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. When we act on the Word of God, there's always going to be. Now, you and I may want it the next second, but don't you all of a sudden put your faith in a clock. Can I have an amen? amen. You put your faith in the Word of God because the timing of things have nothing to do with your control. Nothing. But the demonstration is something that comes on the heels of actually doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, we preach according to Mark 16, and he confirms the word with, with signs following. Say so anyway, signs following. Salvation, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, healings, miracles, deliverance, whatever it is, you get what you preach. The bottom line is when you act on that word, there's going to be a demonstration. Say it, I'm a radical. And so what, what I think the Lord is trying to, to get people to do is to act on the things they know to do and expect more demonstration than ever. Amen. What, what do you think is going to happen in this town when Michael jumps out of that chair? Is, is someone not going to turn to the Lord? Hmm? Yes. But has he, has he already been having an impact? Um, they came here before I came back to pastor. And, you know, Mike, I believe, was a birth accident, oxygenation, and his situation uh, developed physically because of that. And um, I do know that for a season, his, his daddy kind of got away from some things. But I'm going to tell you what, he's the biggest ameneer in the church now. And he sits there and he sucks the word up. I respect a man like that. To just say, you know what, I'm just going to walk on with God. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And so that young man is already impacted someone else with the gospel. That's right. And he surely will in, in terms of demonstration. Now, you know, everybody wants to say, well, God will do what he wants to do. He doesn't care. You know, he's going to prove his divinity. No. Uh, Jesus is the one that said he'll confirm his word with signs following. So if we will get the word of God out, there's going to be what? Signs following. Signs following. Signs Wonders, miracles, deliverances. We've seen a lot, but we're going to see a whole lot more. Yeah. Amen. How many of y'all believe you're the miracle capital of the world? How many believe God's doing great things in you? Yeah. But they're tied to principles like this. So say it out loud. Say it. Immersion. Immersion. Meditation. Meditation. Revelation. Revelation. Application. Application. Demonstration. Demonstration. Boom. Great things. Great things. Everybody say great things. Great Say it again. Say great things. great things. God wants to do great things in your life. So what do you do with this tonight? Well, you walk out or you make a quality decision. I am going to spend more time in the Word than I ever had before. Nobody can do it for you. There's Bible on tape, Bible on MP3, the Bible on the computer. You can listen to teaching tapes. Everything we've been doing, Tyler's been so faithful to put everything we've been doing for years on our website. We don't charge anything for it. Amen? You get charged by the minute. Because if we did charge you by the minute, some of those messages, you'd have a bill. <laughs> and don't charge you by the series. 
45 parters are this much, and 25 parters are this much, and the occasional two-parter. Two-parter for me is like a golden snipe. You're just not going to find it anywhere. It's just, it's not there. But it's out there. Uh, Keith Moore does the same thing. Um, and we have assets and resources here, conferences and things. You need to make up your own mind. I am going to immerse myself in the Word of God. I mean, the whole time that, uh, you know, Rodney was serving the ministry before he transitioned to a different uh, employment, you'd see him with earbuds in his ear. He's not listening to ACDC. <laughs> What's he doing? Now, the carnal Christian says, didn't you go to church Sunday? Why would you listen to that message again? Why would you listen to that Keith Moore message for the fifth time? Because every time you do, more revelation is coming to you. Nobody can make that decision for you. Reading the Word, listening to the Word of God, it's a decision. Say, it's a decision. And then meditating on what you hear is a decision. Meditating on it, thinking about it, speaking it is a decision. Amen? The revelation is going to come as a result of that kind of diligence. And then you have to make another decision. You're going to do the revelation God gave you. Amen? It's often been said that if you want to know where the stumbling block is or the holdup is, go back to the last thing God spoke to you and see if you did it. See, uh, uh, you know, God will, God will forget all that. I, I found out that God has a memory like you wouldn't believe. And the thing he told you to do 45 years ago, guess what? If you pray and seek his face and ask him what's the problem, you know what he's going to say? Remember what I said? Y'all do realize he's timeless, right? That we're in time, he's not. Time is in him. So if you think he's going to forget about a command, it's not going to happen. Amen. But hey, you're still above ground. You got time. <laughs> Come on, say it. I have time. I can, I, can, <laughs> I can get this fixed. Glory to God. Say it one more time. Immersion. Meditation, Meditation. Revelation. revelation, application, application. Demonstration. demonstration. And when it comes to demonstration, you hold your faith out there. Amen. Say it with me, faith and patience. Faith and patience. Say faith and hope. Faith you and hold hope. on to your inner image that God is coming through in his word. Amen. Say it, faith and patience. Faith and patience. patience undergirds your faith while you're standing on the word of God waiting. Amen. Amen. Believing, trusting God. And faith and love is you stay in love while you're in a believing mode. Because if you come out of love, faith works by, it's empowered by, it's energized by love. Come out of love and the whole thing shuts down on you. Amen? But if you'll operate in faith and patience and faith and hope and faith and love, you're going to see demonstration. Turn to somebody and say, you're about to see the greatest things you have ever seen in your entire life. More miracles. Say it with me. More miracles. More signs. More wonders. Turn to somebody and say, you're wonderful. Wonderful. Amen. Glory to God. Now, the only question is, what are you going to do with it? See, we don't like to hear, my, wasn't that a lovely sermon? All we like to hear is, you know what? We went out and did that sermon. Say, I'm a doer. Let's give the Lord a hand clap if you can receive that tonight. <laughs>